Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. One fifty-three is the time. We're creeping up on 2 o'clock here. As we move towards the end of this final episode of Live Mike. That's right. Uh, this is it. Come Monday, there'll be a change here at KSL News Radio. Boyd Matheson will move into this time slot. Inside sources will double in length and shift into the afternoon, kicking off at 1 o'clock, running until 3. Uh, afterwards, Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news will stick to its normal time. Earlier in the day, though, a few other changes. Uh, the noon news, which has for the past uh, year and a half or so uh, lasted half hour, that will double in length as well. Uh, from noon till 1, Maria Chaleos will deliver an expert uh, newscast. Uh, looking forward to that. And then uh, in the mornings, Dave and Debbie, who have uh, been doing just a phenomenal job, their program will expand as well. Uh, and, and this uh, will run from from 9 until noon. You get three hours of Dave and Debbie in the morning, then an hour of news, and then two hours of uh, of Boyd Matheson's Inside Sources. Of course, bookended by, uh, in the mornings, Utah's morning news, and in the afternoons, kicking off at 3 o'clock, Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news. Uh, you're in for a treat come Monday. It breaks my heart. Uh, it breaks my heart. It's bittersweet, I should say, uh, to be to be stepping away and, uh, and to moving on from uh, what has, for me, been an incredible friendship with you each afternoon here on KSL News Radio. All right, I'm, I'm getting sappy. I'm going to uh, pull it back later on in the program. I'll really open up, and who knows, maybe even shed a tear. Uh, but stay tuned. I've got a, I've got a strong finish here for this program, and you're going to want to hear it. Uh, right now, though, I have to say, earlier this morning when we were preparing for today's program, uh, someone kind of offhanded said, hey, imagine if uh, instead of what you have planned, it was uh, a day dominated by breaking news. Well, uh, that, uh, to unfortunate effect, has become the truth. We started the day uh, talking about the attack on the U.S. Capitol, which took place this morning. A vehicle uh, rammed into a barricade, but not before striking and killing one United States Capitol police officer. That suspect uh, dead themselves. Another bit of breaking news uh, this morning was it was announced that the body of a missing Kearns woman uh, has been found. And found about a week ago. And so that leads itself to a number of questions. Uh, KSL Television's Garna Mejia has been following the story from the beginning and uh, and I believe has spent some time today with the Salt Lake County District Attorney. Uh, Garna, welcome to the program. How are you? Uh, Lee, thank you so much. I'm doing really good. And, yeah, we just got out of that meeting uh, about 30 minutes ago. 
What, what, what did you learn? What was the update from the district attorney's office? My understanding has been that those looking uh, to the sheriff for information have been directed to the district attorney's office. Uh, what, what, uh, what is Simgill saying? You know what? It's been a, um interesting week or so. So we, we started having those uh, tips coming into the newsroom Thursday evening, early Friday uh, of last week. Uh, and people were reporting, hey, we were seeing activity in this area. We think it may be uh, Nicole Solorio Romero's body that the detectives uh, may have found. And so we, you know, obviously went out to scope it out. At the time, the location that they were giving us was somewhere in Tooele, uh, and it could have been maybe 15 to 20 miles west of Eagle Mountain. So that was all information that we were, you know, one, wanting to see if there was still a scene, which we did not find, and two, uh, reaching out to Unified Police Department and to the district attorney's office. And at that point, that's when they told us, you know what, we can't give you information. We can't confirm or deny anything. Um, So we spent the weekend and the last few days in the dark. But today we're getting that official confirmation coming from the district attorney's office. And that comes in uh, tandem with having uh, charges filed against the four people that were arrested last week. So now we know there's six people involved in the kidnapping and murder of this 25-year-old young woman uh, out of Kern. And this, the, the reporting I've heard recently seems to indicate that this all kicked off uh, based on some sort of uh, owed debt. Yeah, well, and that's that's the interesting thing. And, you know, we've so what the district attorney's office is telling us, uh, District Attorney Sim Gill says, yes, that seems to be the case that uh, Carolina Marquez, the owner of this, you know, popular restaurant out in West Valley, uh, Tacos Mi Caramelo, ordered for uh, Nicole to be kidnapped or picked up because she owed her some money. Now, uh, they're not sure that that is going to be the, the final uh, end of this tunnel, what they're thinking is, you know, there could be other motives, and that's what they're investigating. They won't confirm to us. One of the questions we had for them was, uh, are these suspects, these six people involved, uh, are they, is this at all connected to any cartel or criminal activity? And again, that's not something that they are going to uh, confirm or not confirm with us, but what they tell us is that this remains a very active investigation, and they're going to keep looking into that. The, the news we learned today, uh, in addition to uh, four additional individuals uh, facing charges handed down by the district attorney, the announcement of uh, from police that the body had been located uh, came in tandem with uh, some information that the body had been found some time ago. Was there any have you been able to glean why why so much time transpired before uh, it was made at least public uh, that that this body of this current woman had been found? Lee, that's a really, really great question, and I think the best answer is we we just don't know yet. Mm. Um, so obviously this is a complex case. It involves lots of people, and they each played a key role, right? So it wasn't one person to carry it all out. You have those that kidnapped her, and, and including something that I found really interesting was when this first broke, they were telling us, uh, police were saying, hey, we could be looking for her as far as Wyoming. We're in contact with uh, Wyoming law enforcement after that, we never heard, you know, why that connection. Well, today we're finding out that actually right after they kidnapped Nicole, they drove her to the Wyoming border to, quote, kill time because Carolina Marquez was busy. And we're assuming she was busy at a restaurant, Tacos Mi Caramelo. When she finally got done being busy and went over to her house, that's when they brought Nicole over and they, they shot and killed her. Um, so we have a better idea of how 
of who uh, was involved in which part of this large puzzle. Um, and we also know today that uh, her body was recovered in black plastic bags. That is all that is being released information-wise from authorities at this point that they're confirming Chilling. that she was found wrapped in black plastic bags. And that surveillance footage, so you keep hearing me reference the restaurant. The, refer- the restaurant is a key piece in all of this. They got uh, incriminating surveillance footage uh, from an employee actually handing black plastic trash bags to one of the suspects to oh Tobar, Orlando Tobar, uh, before they drove back to the house to, um, you know, dispose of her body. Chilling. Uh, listen, uh, Garna Mejia, thank you so much for your reporting on this and your time here with us. I look forward to speaking with you again soon uh, as, as this develops. Uh, I've got to take a break right now. Time for a newscast after the break. Excuse me, I'm going to sneeze. Top two at two o'clock ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.